Hello and welcome to Abemus Papam, episode 175, Honorius III. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Abemus Papam. So after the massive life of Innocent III last week, we have another pretty active and dynamic pope in Honorius III. Honorius was born to Roman parents of the Sabello family. We aren't sure when, but at some point in the first half of the 1100s. His birth name was Sensio di Sabello, and from an early age, he worked in the administration of the Church of Rome. He served as the secretary to Cardinal Giacinto Bobone for some time and seems to have had a pretty close relationship with him. Horace Mann tells a legendary story about this time serving the cardinal that's worth repeating. The cardinal was being sent to a mission to Spain, but he didn't have the funds to make the journey. So he sent Sensio out to borrow some money. And Sensio was having bad luck and he was worried that he wouldn't be able to come up with the cash. And as he was leaving and worrying and walking along, a man stopped him and asked him, why was he so downcast? He told the man his situation. The man says, don't worry, you don't need the money. And Sensio said, why do you say that? And the man said, because the Pope's going to die and your master will be elected. And sure enough, when he got back to the Cardinal, the news reached him that the Pope had died. And shortly after that, Cardinal Giacinto Bobone was elected Pope Celestine III. So with his patron-elected Pope, Sensio was appointed the Cardinal Deacon of Santa Lucia in Sicilia in 1193. And he served as the Papal Chamberlain, or Camerlengo, as the office is known today. He helped organize the finances of the Holy See. He collected them all in one book of notes about papal revenue, and that's a collection we still have today. And under Pope Innocent III, Sensio was made the cardinal priest of Santi Giovanni e Paolo and continued to play a pretty prominent role in papal administration. In fact, he was so trusted by Innocent III that when the young emperor Frederick II was placed in the care of the pope, he appointed Sensio as his tutor. Frederick would later become famous for his learning and the foundations of that learning Sensio laid. He was well-liked in Rome, both in the hierarchy and among the people. Now, Pope Innocent, as we heard last week, died in the Umbrian city of Perugia in July of 1216. There was some concern that the election couldn't be dragged out, so the citizens of Perugia locked the cardinals together to force them to choose a new pope swiftly. And their method of election was a strange one. The cardinals all designated two main cardinals to be their representatives, and those two cardinals picked a new pope. Their choice fell upon Sensio, and despite his protests, he was elected pope and took the name Honorius III. He was in the Bishop of Rome there in Perugia and let everyone know that he would follow in the footsteps of his predecessor. The history of the rest of his papacy we can see as a real continuation of all of Innocent's papacy. Like Innocent, he worked hard to try and bring about another crusade, and he realized that in order to do that, there had to be peace throughout Christendom. So Honorius was known as a peacemaker. He caused the crusade to be preached through Europe and began collecting money as well and inducing soldiers to take the cross and prepare for battle. But it wasn't working well. The Fourth Lateran Council had determined that the crusade, crusaders should assemble and depart in 1217, but the army really wasn't enough to do the job. Now, there was someone who could lead an army and who had the resources to make a good go of a proper crusade, and that was the young king of Germany and presumptive Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II. Frederick had promised on his coronation day as king of Germany to go on crusade, but he hadn't actually made any attempt to do it. At first, the excuse was that his rival, the Emperor Otto IV, was still alive, even if he was, for all intents and purposes, defeated. But after Otto died in 1217, he didn't have any excuse. 
Now, this might be a good time for us to get to know Frederick II better, since he will be with us for a couple of episodes. Frederick's nickname in history is Stupor Mundi, the wonder of the world. He was at this time young, talented, intelligent, and driven. He spoke six languages, including Arabic, Greek, German, Latin, and Italian fluently, and was a patron of the arts and the sciences. His court was a true home of learning and innovation. Yet at the same time, he was not a believer. He was skeptical of church teaching, he was overly sensual and a womanizer, and he was cruel and ambitious. His goal was truly his own glory and aggrandizement, and he had no patience or time for the church. So Frederick would not move, and the Fifth Crusade had to depart on its own. It did not succeed. At first, the army led by Andrew II, the King of Hungary, made for Cyprus and landed in the Holy Land, but it failed to take Jerusalem. A second army in 1218, made up of Dutch and German soldiers, realized that the Holy Land never really could be conquered if Egypt wasn't taken first. Egypt would always provide a place from which the Muslim armies could always regroup and return. So this army landed in Egypt in 1218, and it was initially successful. They conquered the port city of Damietta and began to prepare to move inland towards Cairo. Then news arrived in 1221 that a Christian king called Prester John was attacking Baghdad from the east, which would force the Muslims to send their forces east. And the Crusaders took this as a sign and besieged Cairo. But their success stopped there. After a long siege, the crusading army was forced to withdraw and sign a peace treaty. And it turned out the Christian king attacking Baghdad was neither Christian nor an attack against Baghdad. It was probably news about the invasion of Persia by a certain Mongol warlord named Genghis Khan. More about him later. While this was all going along, Frederick was delaying the fulfillment of his own promise to lead a crusade. He would come up with some excuse and delay leaving a couple of years, and then the Pope would remind him of his promise, and then he would have a new excuse, and this went on back and forth for 10 years, from 1217 to 1227. The Pope would insist, you have to leave now, and then he wouldn't. And at times, the Pope would try the carrot instead of the stick. He, he agreed to crown Frederick II Holy Roman Emperor in 1220 and to crown his son, Henry, as King of the Romans if he agreed to go on crusade afterwards. Now, this was a big deal because, as you may remember, Frederick was not only King of the Germans, but through his mother was heir to the throne of Sicily. And by confirming him and his son in those roles, that would mean a united Sicily, Germany, and Northern Italy all under Hohenstaufen control. Hohenstaufen is the family name of Frederick. So in 1220, Frederick headed to Rome. As part of his coronation, he promised to go on crusade. He promised to never unite the kingdoms of Sicily with the Holy Roman Empire. But as we will see, both those promises didn't really carry much weight with him. But for the time being, on November 22nd, 1220, Frederick entered St. Peter's Basilica and was crowned Holy Roman Emperor. At the same time, he promised yet again in front of the Pope and all those assembled to take the cross and go on crusade. And he remained in Italy until September of 1221. And when he was just about to go on crusade, and he was saying, I swear, guys, I'm getting, I'm getting there, I'm going. News came back of the crusader defeat in Egypt and the fall of their one conquered town, Damietta. Had Frederick not dilly-dallied, it may have been enough to turn the tide, but now there was no hope. Frederick and the Pope met several more times between 1221 and 1227, in which the Pope again and again pressed him to go on crusade and fulfill his oath. And again and again he delayed. Meanwhile, the cities of northern Italy, especially the region of Lombardy, were getting fed up with Frederick. In 1226, Frederick moved on Lombardy to try and reassert imperial control there. But the towns there banded together to form a second Lombard League. They were motivated not only by their own self-interest, but also because of the perceived injustice with which the way Frederick had been treating the Pope. 
Conflict between the two began to grow when Frederick turned to Pope Honorius to settle the dispute. This he did by attempting to bring about peace between the two factions. And he did that by placating a bit the emperor in order that this not be another excuse to prevent Frederick from going on crusade. But that dispute with Frederick will have to wait for its conclusion for a future episode. One final note, though, before we conclude Pope Honorius, and that is that both during his pontificate, we have the first documentation of the approval of the Dominicans in 12, December 22nd, 1216, and the Franciscans in November 29th, 1223. And on top of that, he also approved the rule of the Carmelites, yet another group of friars, though contemplative ones that we haven't really met yet. And he did that on January 30th, 1226. As we will see, the movement of friars begins to sweep across Europe during his pontificate, and that movement will only grow. Honorius III died on March 18, 1227, an old man, and was buried at the Basilica of St. Mary Major. He will be succeeded by Pope Gregory IX, and we will talk about him next time. Thank you for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.